0: The Drive Show, with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years.
1: A little
2: on a Saturday
3: night. Yes, a very good evening to you. The rain has come in. I believe it could be around for the next week, possibly, with about three cold fronts coming through. It looks like we're experiencing the first of those right now through Perth, uh, metropolitan area, and no doubt through the southwest as well. And even people... To the north of uh, the Perth CBD. Thanks for joining us. Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, wherever you may be listening on SEN six five seven, SEN Spirit six twenty one through Bunbury in the southwest, in the goldfields at SEN sixteen eleven. You may be on digital radio at uh, SEN Peel and on the SENWA app. We'll get to footy later on. We'll get to footy later on because I want to focus on a couple of more significant Australian events. I saw an interview this morning with Minji Lee, the West Australian golfer, who's just warming up, let me tell you, and is targeting a career grand slam and that elusive Australian Open crown, as we know, after winning women's golf's richest and most prestigious event, being the US Open the other day. And the accolades have come, but it took a while, didn't it, before people jumped on board the Minji Lee bandwagon. And even a national breakfast program, actually, a couple of days after the event, finally tracked her down and interviewed her. And this is what she had to say. Just a couple of little snippets. Her dad runs the cafe. Her mum has gone to be with her younger brother, who's preparing for a tournament. Here's a couple of bits and pieces, what our very own Minji Lee had to say about that epic win the other day
4: it's still pretty surreal, you know, it's only been a couple of days, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just really special to me and such a great honor just to be, you know, one of the multiple major winners. Um, I know Jan Stevenson and Kyrie Webb are the other two. So, um, it's just pretty cool, um, to be among those Aussies and, um, just to be able to be under that list. I just found that like the first time i I saw the course, like the whole course, it was just really fun. Like there was a mix of short and long holes. Um, just, it just kind of, um, it challenged all aspects of your game, especially around the greens. Like you could be quite creative and, you know, you could, you know, land it on the green or like hit it into the banks or like even roll it the whole way or putt, you know, so it was just, um, it was just like a really fun track for me, you know, obviously the, the fairways, like hitting the fairway, it was quite generous off the tee. And then it was definitely a ball, like a iron player's dream kind of. Um, it's definitely a second shot golf course. So I thought it was quite a good fit for me um, once I saw, it, saw the course.
3: Now, the West Australian is the holder of two of the five major major trophies the Evian Championship and the US Women's Open titles. Now next up for G is the Women's PGA Championship at the Congre- Congressional Golf Course and that is in Maryland. It happens from June the 23rd to the 26th and that's followed by uh, Lee's Evian defense in France from July 21 to 24. And then she'll contest the Women's British Open at Muirfield in Scotland, which rounds out the women's majors for this season from August 4 to 7. This is a significant performance and a significant feat. And now she's up to number three in the world. The other thing that happened early tomorrow morning is the World Cup of Soccer is the biggest sporting event every four years on the planet. There's no question about that. And it'll be a huge injection of funds if Australia qualify. Last night, they beat the United Arab Emirates in Doha by two goals to one.
1: Now Boyle. Yeah, Leckie almost getting in each other's way. Boyle into the air. He's done brilliantly. A comeback and the goal from Jackson Irvine. And the Socceroos have the breakthrough seven and a half minutes into the second half gets the better of Bailey Wright the cross in is not a bad one and the chance and Kayo Canedo less than three minutes after Jackson Irvine's goal has fired the UAE level in it comes from Moy back out Rustic and it's in what a strike from Aiden Rustic And it's a set piece that provides another moment of magic for the Socceroos. Whistle in the mouth, full-time whistle blows. And the Socceroos have done half the job they came to Qatar to complete. They have seen off the United Arab Emirates, courtesy of Aidan Hrustic's rocket six minutes from time. The Socceroos keep hopes of a fifth consecutive World Cup finals appearance alive. I'm uh, not relieved. I'm um, proud of the boys today. You know, it just shows you, uh, <clears throat> you know, we've we've been able to get together for the last week and we've been able to
5: prepare for this game well. And I saw a good reaction tonight. And you know, that was that's what I've been driving to the boys for ever since I come into camp about the uh, Aussie DNA. And that is, you know, kick, fight, scratch, and do whatever you got to do to win the game. And however we win it.
3: Who cares? Just win it. Yeah, that's uh, Graham Arnold. Uh, so the golfing world, the sporting world, is looking at Minji Lee after what she secured. The world uh, of football is looking to see whether the Australians or the Peruvians, because that's their final game. If they win that, they're on to Qatar for the World Cup in November and December. So the world is looking at that. By the way, New Zealand will also play a intercontinental playoff against Costa Rica next week. They win that, and even the New Zealanders are through, although it will be a tough ask. And the other thing that people are looking at is something that's about to unfold at 10 minutes past six-hour time. Rugby league is played in a number of nations around the world, and there's nothing more significant than the state of origin between New South Wales and Queensland. It is epic. It is big. And it has grown with interest significantly here in Perth, Western Australia, where it's now shown in prime time. So all I'm saying, there are some significant events. And it appears that all we've been talking about in the last 24 hours is the altercation between Stephen May and Jack Melksham. Two footballers that lost their heads, did something stupid. Stephen May has got a track record of doing things like this. He was the one that was involved in the altercation all those years ago with Campbell Brown when they were overseas at an end-of-season trip. There are far more significant events happening at the moment that we should be a lot more interested in than a couple of boys being bad boys away from the footy field. Let's go back before we speak to Robert Wiley, and we will speak to him, the coach of the Eagles' WAFL side, who all of a sudden this week have probably got a real chance of winning their first game in the WAFL, because of the injection of West Coast Eagles AFL players, because the Eagles have the buy in the AFL. So Rob Wiley's going to join us a bit later on. And then later, we will go to Melbourne and speak to Daniel Cheney uh, about the the major footy issues bubbling around in Melbourne. And we'll talk about, no question, the Melbourne scenario. But certainly, for me, not the headline act on this uh, Wednesday. Tomorrow, Kim Hagdorn will join us in the studio and we'll discuss everything AFL. Before we take a break, Andy Harper was part of the commentary team uh, last night with Robbie Thompson, who I spoke to here on the Drive program yesterday, who called it for Network 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Andy Harper spoke to Jared Waitley this morning. Here's in brief what he had to say. You
6: know... It wasn't it wasn't so much nerves as a sick feeling in the stomach during that first half I mean the team was really playing without personality and um, was a very conservative apparently nervous performance I mean you can understand um, all that and the pressure that's on the players and the coach etc but it just wasn't really inspiring any belief that something great was going to happen very thankfully the second half with that being great, was much, much better. And, and with the win now, as a step forward positively, um, you'd like to think there's a, there's a launch pad for an even more improved performance next week against Peru, which they'll need to be. Well, the, the circuit breaker for me was Martin Boyle um, and his willingness, which was a rare thing on the night. And to be honest, in recent World Cup qualifiers, it's been a rare thing for an Australian in a one-on-one dueling situation to take on their opponent and break the surface tension. The team has, it, it seems to me, to have fallen into this mentality of trying to collectively move the ball and pass your way around and through opponents. I mean, every team uh, does that at the basis of their possession play, but every team in the world to win a match needs to have someone um, across the field and more than one, hopefully, to get into a one-on-one situation and change the, 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 the surface tension of the of the game. And um, we haven't done that enough uh, in recent matches. We weren't doing it all, at all, in the first half of this game. And what changed it in the second half was Martin Boyle's effort to put on the first goal. Now, his ability to do that came on the back of two or three other really important components. And there was a good... Uh, um, there was a good press to dispossess UAE of the ball and Daniel Atkinson did well. Um, so we got the ball in a good part of the field. We'd done that a couple of times during the match, but what we didn't have after that was someone who was prepared to drop the clutch and go at their opponent and turn people around. Um, we're going to have to do that more against Peru and because we've seen the importance of it in that second half against the UAE. And full credit to Martin Boyle for taking that that role of leadership at that particular moment, and then, of course, the Melbourne's own Jackson Irvine to pop up and score that goal, one which he richly deserves. So if there's anything Australian football knows, Andy, it's this next game. For generations, this was, this was our fate, wasn't it? And we, we find ourselves back there. It's going to be a little strange, though, Jared, because we are so familiar with this stage of qualifying, and we are so familiar with playing Latin Americans and South Americans at this stage. Um, But what's going to be strange for us is watching it all take place in an empty stadium. Uh, Normally, we're treated to a full house in Melbourne or Sydney with 80,000-plus spectators cheering the team on in in an atmosphere befitting the occasion. Um, We'll be watching it, most of us, from a great distance with not many people in the stadium. It's going to be a little bit weird. And neither team, I mean, this works for Peru as well, Neither team can draw on that vociferous home support, which is such a key part of this qualifying. And and just on that matter, the football would suggest that Peru go favourites into the match. But Doha is a second home ground for us. I think we've played 14 or 15 of our qualifiers over the last couple of years in this city. Um, So there'll be no acclimatisation problems for the players. Uh, It is the home away from home. Unfortunately, that's what's unfolded because of covid um, Peru not used to it so much. Um, and their, their Comnaval qualifiers to this point have been in the cut and thrust of South American qualifying with home and away fans, and they've been able to feed off that. So if we're, it might sound like I'm clutching at straws. Yep. I'll stand guilty as charged if that's <laughs> the case. But I do think it's a factor, you know, and, and Peru are going to be tough. But this is one thing that does go slightly in our favour.
3: So there you go. That was Andy Harper who, together with, uh, as I said, uh, Richie Thompson uh, broadcast the game last night on Network Ten, and he's a good student of the game. Andy Harper and he was featured on uh, Jared Waitley's uh, morning program on SEN in Melbourne this morning, and that's in a nutshell what he had to say. We'll take a break. Uh, on the other side of the break, uh, we'll come back with Rob Wiley. Uh, yet to win a game, the WAFL Eagles team have they got their best chance this week? but they do take on the powerful Claremont side. And also, it was probably their best performance last week when they really ran swans uh, deep into that game. Rob Wiley joins us next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre.
1: The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos.
0: Toolmart, your Complete Tool Centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years.
3: Yes, looking forward to State of Origin tonight. Should be a beauty. They're forecasting about 80,000 at the Olympic Stadium there in Sydney. Of course, game two uh, will be in a fortnight here at Optus Stadium, 26th of June. It'll be New South Wales and Queensland. Who will come here with the advantage before they... uh play the final game, game three of the 2022 series up there at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Should be fantastic. Uh, A great sporting event it will be. We're so lucky. We've got some terrific sporting events coming up at Optus Stadium. Of course, uh, in July the 2nd, it is actually, we've got the rugby between uh, the Wallabies uh, taking on England and then we've got the Festival of Football as well. uh, Later in July, July 22, 23 for memory, involving Manchester United taking on Aston Villa and Leeds against Crystal Palace. So we've got some really good, great international uh, sporting events happening here at the Optus Stadium. But let's go back local now and joining us is Robert Wiley, uh, champion in his own right, with Perth, as we know, and Richmond, and for many years involved with the West Coast Eagles as a player and assistant coach. Uh, and uh, he was the right-hand man for Mick Malthouse during those glory years, particularly during the 90s. He's now come back to the Eagles this season as the coach of the WAFL side. They've had their challenges, they've had their issues, but things are starting to work in favour of those group of players and the coach. And uh, Robbie now joins us on the program. Robbie, thanks for your time. Pleasure, Pete. Always. Uh, lovely to have a chat to you. I'll tell you what, looking back, a fair performance against Swan Districts last <laughs> week. You were in front for a great length of that game. Was that the best performance overall by the Eagles WAFL side?
5: We well, played pretty well against Perth in round one. And then since then, we've struggled. Uh, had good patches of footy. But, uh, you know, the Waffle's such a great standard Pete uh you just have to be your best all the time, but it was pleasing that uh the Swan district's a very good side beat uh, south mantle the week before, so we knew we had to uh, certainly be at our best and, and I thought the boys over four quarters uh were outstanding and uh, we went down to a very good side we were proud of our proud of our efforts, but at the same time you know we're still working towards making sure we can get wins on the board.
3: It's a hard job. There's no question, particularly early in the season when numbers were an issue. I gather you think that you've got over that major hurdle going forward now.
5: I hope so, Pete, it was quite, uh, quite bizarre a few weeks ago playing East Romano and we had to borrow players from, from them. I thought, well, you know, that happens in under-12s and under-14s. It doesn't happen uh, at Waffle League level. But, you know, obviously the circumstances with COVID and West Coast Eagles... Injury list. So, look, you know, we're hoping the second half that, um, you know, the AFL side, uh, has a little bit of luck and keeps, um, you know, a lot more players on the park. And then obviously we benefit from that. But, you know, as I said, at the same time, I've still had the, you know, the great pleasure of trying to create and, and develop some young men that have given, been given waffle opportunities at league level. And it's really pleasing to see some of those young men uh, develop.
3: You've got Zane Sumich of course the son of West Coast Eagles star Peter Sumich as the captain. How's he taking on the captaincy responsibilities?
5: Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He's a good young man and uh you know I suppose it's like any team you you try and develop many leaders uh within the club. Uh so you know pete has got that mantle as uh, sorry Peter his dad. Uh, Zane's got that <laughs> mantle of uh being the um you know our leader and yeah he's he's doing a great job and Playing some, you know, pretty good consistent footy. So uh, yeah, couldn't uh, ask for anything more from from Zane. He, he's brought the group together, and uh, along with Mitch Henderson, uh, our, our vice captain, um, and, and Jaden McPhee, you know, they, they've, they've done a really good job. And as you said, it's, it's not easy. Um, but as I said, no, no challenges in life are easy if you don't give it a, a good hard crack. And certainly Zane's doing that.
3: Are they realistic about the situation that the Eagles side is going through, particularly during that middle part of the first half of the season when you were certainly getting you know, beaten quite comprehensively? Uh, how did you manage to keep the, the team and the young players galvanised during that? what was a bit of a tough uh, month or so?
5: Yeah, well, that's you know it's about being positive. Uh, it's about also being realistic. And we, you know, as I said, in patches we showed some very good football. And it's, you know, it's twenty-two players running out on the field. And you know, that was always you know sort of uh, our push to make sure that you know we're competitive and and we go out there to win every game of football uh, we can. So um, yeah, we were challenged, and at times we didn't quite come up to expectations, Pete. But. Uh, You know they're a young group. It's a it's a changing group from week to week. So you know being able to to keep a side consistent uh, is tough. But um, you know we've just got to maintain. Uh, intensity of training, intensity in the way that we go about our football. And as I said, uh, and as you alluded to, you know, our performance is a pretty good performance against one district.
3: Saying that, uh, you've got some of the AFL players. and I think the second half of the season will be far more positive for the West Coast AFL side. And of course, your side in the WAFL, Robbie. Now, they're suggesting that last weekend that Elliot Yo showed a bit of frustration with what happened against one Districts. And, of course, he's been banned from playing this week. Do you notice that with some of the players coming back? Because it is tough times for some of these overcoming injury and the lack of success at the AFL level, that frustration sometimes boils over. And do you think that was Elliott's issue last week?
5: I was really happy with the way Elliott went about his football. Uh, He played uh, some minutes the week before. Um, but stepped up and showed some good leadership. He was totally invested. Um, so, no, I don't see that frustration. I've been really pleased um, and uh, happy with the way AFL players come back into the waffle. Uh, they support the waffle players, um, and their attitude's always uh, of this high standard. So... Um, You know, that's what happens in football sometimes. It's a physical game and you respond sometimes to the physicality. And uh, it was unfortunate for Elliot. But uh, as I said, uh, you know, his input on the bench, coming off the ground uh, at the breaks was outstanding. And uh, I really appreciated it.
3: Saying that, uh, what sort of side are you likely to field this weekend in the WAFL? Because as we know, the AFL side has the bye.
5: Uh, Well, today... We could have quite a number of players by Saturday. That could change. uh, That's the way it happens. But, you know, obviously with West Coast having a bye this week, there will be a number of players that need to be ticked off. They have their main session tomorrow. Um, So I'll have more uh, understanding of who's going to play. But uh, there's no doubt that, you know, we should have 10 or 12 players Uh, ready to go, and uh, I look forward to
3: that, Pete. Let's have a look at some of the young players that are not household names. I believe that Josh Burke and players like Joey Deegan, they are really elevating themselves as serious footballers at at that level.
5: Yes, they've been great. And, you know, Joey Deegan playing through the midfield, uh, really consistent player. He's a clean ball handler, a good user, so he's been great. Josh Burke up forward, you know, we, we haven't had... A lot of great football going forward, so he's always uh, up against it, Berkey. But uh, he's a great competitor. Johnny Levine through the mid midfield he's just—he's uh, a bull at the ball, uh, Pete, and uh, fantastic. Some of the uh, you know chases and tackles that he's able to put on. Harry Creasy down back has done uh, a good job. So uh, Ambrose Ryan that I also had at East Fremantle. So there's um, Josh Brown, who's you know look, Josh Brown has uh, won the Colts Medal last year, right. uh, the Jack Clark Medal. Um some of his performances at league level has been fantastic for a nineteen year old We have also a nineteen year old ruckman josh Edwards, that would play who was playing at colts uh, for peel ands on loan to us this year and um some of the tasks that we throw him against some of the the big men you know it, it's been really pleasing to see how he's gone from from game one to uh where he is now so you know that side is is really important that you know as i said uh, the reason why I, I'm there is trying to help young men uh, realise whatever their dream is, and it might be just a good consistent waffle football, or obviously the ultimate to be able to get into the AFL. So to see their development, uh, even though we're not winning, and that's really disappointing, and it's something that you know we're we're addressing each week, Pete. But to see the individual development of some of these guys, that um, you know. Uh, played Colts or even reserves football, and are now uh, consistently uh, playing at uh, league level for West
3: Coast Eagles. Big game. It's going to be a beauty, too. It's the early game on Saturday. It's Claremont and the Eagles. You're playing at uh, Revo Fitness Stadium. Of course, Claremont Oval for the oldies like us that remember it when it was just a suburban ground. It's going to be a significant match, and I gather a lot of the AFL players will come down and support their waffle colleagues, which will be great for the players concerned.
5: I definitely, Pete, and, you know, Claremont have been a very good side for a number of years and uh, well coached by Ash and, and Harrow before, so, you know, it's uh, it'll be a great clash and if we get the inclusion of a number of AFL players, then, uh, you know, I think that uh, it'll just continue the high standard that the Waffle uh, are presenting week in and week out. So um, I have no doubt that uh, there will be a lot of AFL boys there to support their teammates, and uh, it'll be a great schedule. So uh, if anyone's thinking about coming down, we'll make sure you come down and uh, and give the West Coast some uh, much-needed support.
3: Yeah, OK, it's 11.10, uh, 10 minutes past 11 on Saturday morning, Robbie. So you'll have to get up nice and early as you normally do and get them fired up, because I've got a feeling this game... As you mentioned, with the injection of AFL players, could be a really good game of footy. So looking forward to it. on against the West Coast Eagles. Robbie, thanks for your time. Uh, doing a great job down there. I can see the improvement from week in, uh, week out, the last two or three weeks regarding uh, the Waffle side. And I gather, as I said earlier, I think the second half of the season for both the Waffle side and the AFL Eagles side will be far more productive than the first half. Thanks for joining us on the program today.
5: Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. The
3: Drive Show, with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark,
0: your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. A little
3: on a Saturday night. Yeah, great to have your company on this uh, wet night in Perth. Uh, a lot has been said about this altercation between the Melbourne teammates Stephen May and Jake Melksham. Can I tell you personally, it doesn't interest me, but I, I'm i interested to see that uh, former demon Jack Watts has said, uh, mate, he's not surprised. He reckons when he was playing at Melbourne, there was a blow-up between Nathan Jones and Jeremy Howe. So it's uh, commonplace of the Demons. But I know it's big news in Melbourne. And Daniel Churney from Code Sports, of course, uh, former footy writer with The Age and other publications, now joins us on the program. Daniel, thanks for your time. And hey, it good to be with you. Tell us about the fallout. Fall I'm just saying to my producers, Jimmy and Bray, like, for me... It's no big deal. It's not a big story in, my, in on my radar, but I know it's a significant story in Melbourne because it involves the reigning premier.
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly it's uh, it's, a, it's a big story over here. Um, look, anytime you have two teammates, eight teammates publicly scuffling, um, that's going to cause attention. Particularly, yeah, particularly when it's the reigning premier. Particularly when you've got a player like Stephen May, who's obviously one of the stars of the competition, and it. A very accomplished player, and, and, and you know, a former club captain, and an all-Australian, and a leader involved. So, um, look, it's become a major talking point over here for a lot, of, a, a lot of fronts. There, there are several strands to it. I mean, look, I, I think, um, you know, stuff can happen, with, with, with men and they shouldn't happen. And I just, I think there's no excuse for violence um, off the, you know, or even on the field. of there's an accepted level of aggression, physicality, but off the field there's really no excuse for violence, so um, it, it, it just shouldn't have happened. Um, no, not in the private place, certainly not in the public place, um, and I think I know the rest are on in Parana, we're not very happy um, with the, the laced apology from Melbourne and, and the players not, um, not seemingly doing enough, but look, there's several strands, I mean the initial punishment for Stephen May, he, he was punished for, uh, for drinking while uh, concussed or, or, or still serving the concussion in the concussion protocols as they, as they speak. I think the, 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 the uh, 12 day protocols. So, you know, that, that's, that's clearly not acceptable and, and he should have done that. And he, he has a history, it must be said, of um, drinking at inappropriate times. So he, um, he, he was told off by the club uh, in 2019 um, well, for drinking while injured. And uh, clearly he's, he's made some inappropriate comments towards. Uh, Jake Milksham, this has escalated. Um, Max Gorn confirmed as such. He wouldn't specify what the comments were. He, didn't, he rejected the um, suggestion that it was, uh, it was night, until, sorry, the last year's grand final and Milksham missing out. But, uh, look, I think, you know, they're, 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 they've both stuffed up and Milksham now is unavailable for another week because of a um, because of uh, surgery following an infection, which has stemmed from this injury. So it's very unedifying for the club. Uh comes at comes a time when they've, um, you know, I wouldn't say they're struggling, but they've lost a couple on the trot, so they're a, bit, you know, a little bit under the pump. The pressure's mounting a touch. Uh, and you just, you know, clearly you just don't need it and it shouldn't be happening. So, um, no, look, it's a, it's a big story over here. I mean, it's not it's not the end of the world and, and Melbourne can bounce back and these guys can bounce back, particularly May, but uh, well, it shouldn't be happening. And, and, you know, they're both senior players um, who should clearly know better.
3: Yeah, fair call. Uh, And we had, of course, Michael Frederick here from the Fremantle Dockers. He's been uh, stood down for a week because uh, he decided to indulge after the win against Brisbane, uh, and it's a six-day break, and he wasn't allowed. Now, let's look at – I featured a bit of audio with Christian Petrarca uh, last night suggesting that the Melbourne crowds aren't turning out because it's been a bit cold in Melbourne the last couple of weeks. 29,000 against Frio. Thirty-two thousand last week uh, in the match against Sydney. I can't take that. But the crowds have been poor, and they're they they're bracing themselves for North Melbourne and GWS this week to be under ten thousand.
0: Yeah, I mean that's going to be that, that. That does loom as pretty. It's pretty ugly. I, mean, I think they only had thirteen thousand for North Melbourne and Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. Clearly, the Kangaroos' form is, is awful. They're um, obviously a. You know, a, a, one of the smaller clubs as it stands, the Giants have a, you know, they don't, you know, they, they don't have a huge membership base in Sydney and, and let, let alone in Melbourne. So, um, you know, they're not going to get a lot of Giants fans through this door. So that, that, that's going to be, uh, yeah, that, that 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 is shaping as a, as, as, as I mean, I wouldn't say a record low crowd because a couple of years of, of, of games in front of no one, but players um, so leaving COVID circumstances aside, um, it, it'll be right down there. You, you would imagine. Um, I mean, I think the COVID situation still does is still shaping this to an extent on, on a couple of fronts. Uh, I think one there's still a segment of the population, look, it's getting bigger, but sorry, I think it's been smaller just of the amount of people that aren't going to events because of concerns about their about their safety and about COVID. But there is still a, a segment of society which is trying to, you know, skew going to large events, which you can obviously still understand people um, with like underlying health conditions and trying to. Boys Large. fact, that's going to, whatever percentage that is, it's going to take up a, a bit. I think there's also an element of a group of people that have become accustomed to watching sport on TV. I mean, it's a very good product, it's very accessible. Um, you know, if you have a product like KO or Foxtel, uh, every game, you know, live against the gate, after a couple of years in which people haven't been able to, been able to go at all, um, or for periods where they haven't been able to go at all. Yeah. get used to not going and watching on TV. So you know, there's, there's several factors, but I must say Melbourne, the oh, Carlton's crowds been very strong this year. I think they've they've, they've been one of
3: the good. Yeah, no, they've been time. good, and the match uh, against Essendon uh, this week uh, should be a good one, even though Essendon have been struggling a bit. Uh, it kicks off tomorrow night, Richmond against Port Adelaide, which is a big game, and the teams have been announced. Any surprises?
0: Uh, not necessarily a huge surprise. I just think Richmond have, uh, have named uh, Judson Clark at every time um, for, that, for that game. So, um, but uh, uh, I, you know, I, haven't had, I haven't had a very close look at it, but I just don't see that there were any surprises there. Um, but uh, the Tigers um, yeah, still Dylan Grimes 200 games, so uh, a lot. Uh, um, so obviously, you know, they're co-captain and a, and a, and a you know, really a modern. The club and sorry, mate. Well. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, are you are you? Uh, have I got you under at a bad time, you just seem to be. There's a lot of noise coming through your phone. That's all. I'm just wondering. Oh, sorry.
0: About, sorry about that. Is that any better now?
3: Um, yeah, sorry, just sorry. a lot a lot of external noise. I'm mean, finding it very hard to. Uh, as if you're trying to, you're shuffling things around while I'm talking to you, or something's happening. Oh, so, so, sorry
0: about that. Um, no, look, I think uh, yeah, Dylan Grimes. Um, uh, you know, a modern great of the club in uh, his 200th game, so it's, it's a big occasion for Richmond, you know, they were obviously narrow, narrowly beaten last last uh, start out against Sydney, and, and that, you know, controversial finish at the SCG, so um, and, that, that, and they they've subsequently dropped out of the top eight, so the, uh, the Tigers are, um, they've, they've turned their season around to an extent after a pretty up and down start, but um, they're still not, not I certainly wouldn't call them locks for the top eight at this point, so it's a huge game for them, and then before Adelaide having started the season so poorly at 0-5, they've had a good six or seven weeks, but um, they've just got to keep going and and, and keep persisting and and a win win against the the Tigers at at the G would be a huge result for them given uh, given given, um, their predicament. So uh, a a big game for both clubs, both both sides fighting for a spot in the eight.
3: All right, Dan. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, Code Sports, of course, is where people can find you. Uh, It's a great... uh, our website, of course, all the sporting and AFL news on that. Thanks for joining us on the program. No worries, man. It's okay. Okay, Dan Churney joining us. Apologies for the quality of the line, it wasn't the best. Uh, you're with Drive with Peter Vlahos. Of course, you can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. That number again 0487 736 736. Or you can uh, give us a buzz on the Scarborough Toyota open line. They buy all makes and models there at Scarborough Toyota, situated in Scarborough Beach Road in Osmond Park. It's coming up 19 to 6. Uh, after the break, we'll have a look back at all the other major uh, interviews and stories that have broken in the last 24 hours. And plus, we'll bring you the latest information from uh, Sydney as we count down to game one in the state of origin between New South Wales and Queensland. This is Drive.
1: The Drive Show with Peter
0: Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years.
3: Just uh, looking ahead to state of origin. We're 25 minutes away from a start. A couple of late changes for the Blues. New South Wales with Junior Palo and Cameron Murray benched for Regan Campbell-Gillard and Liam Martin respectively it's much of a muchness between the two eels props uh, who both no doubt play similar minutes but the benching i suppose of South Murray uh, who has shown he is capable of playing 80 has raised a few eyebrows uh, Liam Martin has played the entire year on an edge alongside this cohort of Panthers teammates while Murray is both returning from injury and more comfortable in the middle. So I suppose you can understand the logic. Uh, no such uh, late shocks uh, for Queensland, with coach uh, rookie coach Billy Slater naming an unchanged 17 uh, to take part in the uh, big match. Uh, so uh, there's only one tiny alteration, with Jai Arrow named as the 18th man in jersey 19 instead of uh, tom dearden so that is the latest just uh, having a look at uh, seeing some of the late news coming through in fact brad Fittler has just uh, said that he's confirmed what we thought saying that murray's return from shoulder surgery had played a part in his decision to start him from the bench so that's the latest news uh, coming there from the state of origin which we mentioned is about uh, just over 20 minutes away it gets underway at 10 minutes past six hour time All right, let's go back to that issue. Now, Luke Hodge is a seasoned football professional, uh, an outstanding leader at the Hawthorne Footy Club and, of course, a multiple premiership captain. And then, of course, he went up to Brisbane and installed a lot of leadership under uh, the coach, Chris Fagan, who he knew from his Hawthorne days. He was asked his opinion about culture at a footy club, of course, all pertaining to the Melbourne Football Club. And Luke Hodge said this, and it's very interesting listening, actually, regarding uh, what can affect the culture of football club and whether the incidents involving Stephen May, and particularly Jake Melksham, who was told by Stephen May reportedly and allegedly that if he'd played in the grand final last year, they wouldn't have won. And the disrespect to Melksham is part of a culture that could Fracture, a club, here's Luke Hodge.
2: The drinking one, as far as a, a culture stuff, yes, that's important for the concussion. But as far as the team environment, that's not as as big as the respect that he had and what he showed, um, Melchum. You go, go on to the drinking one. We all know now that drinking after concussion, the how serious it can be. You look at the past players that have been affected by concussion and, and brain injuries um, and what the AFL are trying to do to stamp it out with missing the 12 days and and all that stuff. So that is that is so important and that's the the same as the drinking on a 6-day break how important it is and and just those guidelines that they want to stick to to be professional. But what I look at more and which I think as a team culture more serious as one is the disrespect you have for a teammate who how how this starts and and I've seen it so many times over over 20 years of being in football and and the stories you heard prior to me getting into the system was probably worse where it all starts with a few beers and they're having a bit of fun and a little bit of banter, but then as soon as someone gets one up on a banter, then they're going to come back with a little bit more personal and then <coughs> and then it gets a little bit more personal and then all of a sudden it gets to a stage where you cross the line. And you as a premiership teammate saying that to someone who has not played in a premiership who missed out, and what was it? If you had played in the grand final, we would have lost. That's, and people say it's only words, but once you've had a few beers and your ego is getting hit in front of your teammates – does that now look through and go, hang on, do the other players who didn't play in that grand final, does May have the same respect for us as what he showed Melcham? And, and, and you can understand afterwards, May goes, we made a, a silly mistake, I said the wrong thing and all that, but these are the little divides that can happen. The fact that next time he's having a few beers, is he going to say something to someone else? Does he really believe it or is it just the alcohol talk? And it's these little fractions that might split the 22 that played and the guys that weren't in that group wishing they, they were there. And, and to say that they'll lose a grand final if you were playing in that side when they win by 70 points, that that's a pretty deep thing. And as I said, people always go back and say, look, it's only words. But as a professional footballer, and you haven't played in a premiership, especially after what Jake's gone through with the, all the stuff at Essendon, trying to go to Melbourne for a fresh start, um, I can understand why it did cut him pretty deep. And yeah. I think no one no one likes violence. Um, but we also understand that Steve, Steve probably, he's got history in this. Like he, whenever he, When he has... Um, alcohol in him. It's not the first time he's been punched by a teammate. The last time someone got sacked because of the comments that he made after he got a warning kept going, this time, Jake, from from what I see is the Melbourne, Melbourne haven't penalised Jake to miss a game because they thought, well, if he disrespects you like that, it's woe well your rights to, to defend yourself. Yes, they're going to do some community service, um, but as far as not missing a game, they're sitting back going, well, Steve, you crossed the line and you got dealt the blow. He made a lot of sense, didn't he? Luke Hodge. He's been there, done that. He's a
3: leader of uh, men. He's been uh, an aspiring leader for Hawthorne. And he did a lot of good things when he went to the Brisbane Lions and uh, turned the culture around there and got them certainly on the path to where they are now. So an outstanding performance there by um, uh, Luke Hodge. And I thought that was well worth having a listen to. Just uh, the cricket last night, Australia, very impressive Winning by 10 wickets. Sri Lanka were dismissed. Well, basically after the 20 overs, uh, they were all uh, rolled there. Uh, let's just check the score. Uh, 128 in the 20th over. All out for 128. Bit of a stunning collapse there by Sri Lanka. And Josh Hazelwood was just outstanding. And then Australia making it with no wickets down. None for 134.
1: Dominant batting performance. Nguyen Tushara watches it go over? He wins it with a six. Australia take the lead. The first game going in their favour and showing everyone why they are the world champions, why they are the number one team. Yeah, it was nice to get a few and have a really good partnership with Davy there. Um... They bowled really well in the first couple of hours. Teek Sharny has given us a few problems for a while now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really good performance. I think we had the better of the conditions uh, with a little bit of rain coming down there as well.
3: There you go. Aaron Finch finished 61 not out of 40 balls, hit four fours and four sixes. And David Warner, who opened the batting with him, finished 70 not out of 44 balls with nine fours. And I mentioned Josh Hazelwood, who was a, a real star, For the Australians bowled his four overs and took four for 16. Uh, Mitchell Stark took three for 26. And Kane Richardson took one for 22. And as I said, Sri Lanka started not too bad, but then it it was a procession. At one stage, they were one for 100, actually, uh, and going on their way. And then rolled out for 128. So they lost nine for 28. And we've got, of course, the second match uh, in a couple of days' time. Australia taking on Sri Lanka. In fact, it might be on tonight, actually. I think they're playing back-to-back games. Jimmy, if you can just confirm that. But I'm feeling that game, two between Australia and Sri Lanka may be on this evening or certainly tomorrow. It is on this evening? Yeah, it is on this evening. I knew uh, just from memory they were playing back-to-back games. All right, uh, that's basically it for the program. As I said, tomorrow night we're going to be focusing on the AFL. Uh, there's only the Fremantle Dockers doing battle, and they're taking on Hawthorne. It'll be interesting to see what sort of side uh, they put out the uh, Fremantle Footy Club, and in particular, Nat Fife uh, will 99.9% come into the Fremantle Dockers lineup for their match uh, on Saturday afternoon against uh, the Travelling Hawks. And we'll have to see who replaces Michael Frederick, who misses that one game. Uh, Lisa has sent through a text on the temperate bedshed text line. She says, hi, Peter. Great interview with champion and legend Robert Wiley, who, by the way, I had a chat to earlier on the program about the WAFL Eagles and the chance possibly with a few players coming back from the AFL, they could give maybe Claremont a run for their money. Should be a good game, actually, out there at Claremont Oval, known as uh, Revo Fitness Stadium these days. Uh, 11.10 it gets underway. It's an early game on Saturday, but she says he's such a positive person, great mentor for the younger players. Hope one day when Adam Simpson leaves that Rob gets a chance to maybe coach or be an assistant coach back at the Eagles. So uh, there you go. Good on you, Elise. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks, Bray. Thanks, Jimmy. As I said, Kim Hankdon will be in the studio tomorrow from five o'clock. Get ready. Who knows what sort of information he'll bring to the microphone and he may break a story or two as well. So I suggest tune in from five straight after Hazen and Mato and the run home. Thanks for joining us. Uh, the show has been brought to you by Tool Mart, the complete tool centre. By the way, get ready. Tool Mart's big tradies expo happens on the 17th. That is Friday week, right through the weekend at Ascot Racecourse. Have a great night, everyone. Stay dry and drive carefully.